0: Welcome to the Ministry Mindset Podcast. The Ministry Mindset Podcast is designed to help people discover their God-given purpose and to learn to put that purpose into action. Well, welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you here for the Ministry Mindset Podcast. We're back again. And today I'm joined again with Tony Smith. Glad to have you, Tony. Hey, good to be here. And also Jake Meadows.
1: I'm glad to finally make it
0: glad to have you here, Jake. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about a dimension that's connected to the spiritual wellness wheel. And the spiritual wellness wheel is one of the training components of the ministry mindset that we use to talk about how to keep one's spiritual life in balance. So as uh, you heard before on the last podcast where we talked about the spiritual wellness wheel. The spiritual wellness wheel is made up of a core hub in the middle of the wheel, which has to do with your spiritual wellness. And then out of that hub, we have four different specific areas. The first is physical, relational, mental, and emotional. And then of course, financial. And part of being in balance spiritually is having that core of the spiritual wellness wheel in place, which really talks about our relationship with Christ. We've accepted Christ. We've received his Holy Spirit and his forgiveness. And then we choose to abide in him through the word and through prayer and walking in the spirit. But what we wanted to talk about today is we wanted to talk about the financial component of the spiritual wellness wheel. And that's why we've invited Jake to join us on the podcast and talk a little bit about this idea of what it means to have really solid financial health in your spiritual life. So Jake, let me just ask you to start with, share a little bit about your financial journey early on in life.
1: (laughs) Early in life, I was reckless, just like most people when it comes to our finances, right? So uh, my wife and I were married for 15 years and we finally took Financial Peace University through a church that we were doing. And we learned about what it means to actually have a handle on your money and tell your money what to do rather than it telling you what to do, right? And once we went through that class, it was the first time in our marriage that we were able to become actually debt free. So we paid off about $17,000 in two years wow. in worth of debt. And like I said, 15 years of marriage. And that was the first time we were debt free. And from then on, that's been seven years now from then on, I've just been trying to get out and tell people how important it is, not just in your spiritual life, but in your personal life, your marriage, uh, being in control of your money, preferably completely debt free.
0: Wow, That's incredible. Yeah. I think being debt free is something nowadays that a lot of people don't even can't even imagine that they can even accomplish.
1: Right. It's weird these days to even think we we were talking earlier before we started recording how you can take a financial loan out on a classic car, right? Like right. We could we can borrow money for anything these days. And it's just absolutely ridiculous and asinine to think people borrow money to buy furniture or to do vacations and all this other stuff that, we are or eat out our great grandparents and right. our grandparents never even considered doing that kind of stuff
0: so you were talking about for the first time in your life you know recognizing that it was an issue did you did you have a lot of debt when you guys first took that class for the first time
1: yeah we we
0: because we kind had of debt
1: was it what it was mostly credit cards cars just like everybody else uh we still had a mortgage of course like most people do but a lot of our debt was just trying to balance credit cards We had a Chevron gas station card to put gas like why would we need that, you know, Mm. and it was stupid little things like that Best Buy card Home Depot card a card here a card there just to buy stuff that we obviously could not afford, but we thought we could because we could make the payments.
0: I was in the same same situation, especially in my first marriage, but I remember that just before the divorce, when we were going through all the paperwork and looking at, at what we were dealing with, I mean, I had somewhere around $60,000 in non-mortgage debt between cars, a second line of credit and credit cards. And, and when you get in a situation like that where you're forced to have to pay it off, it feels impossible. It's like a mountain you can't even get over.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Right, and and there's a lot of people in the church that are that are in that situation. Right, I mean they're just like just like anybody else. Like Jake said, you know you can get a loan on anything. You know you can get a payday loan, which is the worst kind of money that you can borrow, at the highest level of interest. Not even like a credit card. But we li- we all live in a culture that says if you want something, you don't have to wait to get it.
1: Yes. And we also live in a culture that says, I deserve it, right, right? right? We live in this, I deserve it, I earned it culture, which is the complete wrong way to look at things because if we were to look at it from a spiritual perspective, we don't deserve any of this stuff. We deserve a horrible death in in the pits of hell, but we don't get that. And so anything above being saved by the grace of Jesus is just a bonus in life. We don't deserve any of that stuff. Right. That, that's really, really good.
0: So you said that you, 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 all went through the class and how long ago was that that you went through the class?
1: That was in 2015 when we first went through financial peace, the class, uh, I had picked up Dave Ramsey. Oh, probably in 2004, 2005 on satellite radio. Uh, I was for a job I was doing, I was always traveling. So I was listening to satellite radio constantly. And so I would take this information home to my wife and try to pitch this idea. Hey, we should really look into this stuff. And she says, oh, I'm doing fine. Paying the bills, you know, we're doing okay. And, and then one year I selfishly bought her the total money makeover book as a Christmas <laughs> present, I <laughs> didn't go over so well. Wow! <laughs> and then that book sat on the shelf and I don't think she ever even opened it. But it was once we went through as a group of uh, other families inside of our church there was about seven or eight families that went through it all together that she was willing to be susceptible to the information and actually listen to the teachings of financial peace and not just listen to it but then we came out of it and applied it into our into our own financial life and then two years later we were debt free but the house and it worked out really really well and the average for financial peace the average couple single person can pay off their debt in about two years wow if they really really stick to their guns and stick to a budget so it took you two years took us two years yeah it was like 18 months or something like that i think was the total amount of time so just under two years
0: now for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about when we talk about financial peach university uh, dave ramsey from ramsey solutions I put together this training course, which actually walks you through what he calls the seven baby steps. And each one of those baby steps is a step to getting your financial house in order and really kind of transforming the way that we manage our money, the way we spend our money. Uh, The first baby step is to save a thousand dollars in an emergency fund.
1: And people think that that's so hard, like a thousand bucks, like I can't even pay for groceries this month. How am I going to save a thousand bucks? and the key to it again is always the the entire financial piece thing is wrapped around the budget you have to have a workable usable and realistic budget each and every month and you have to be willing to sacrifice you can't eat out every night for dinner you know there's all these things that we spend our money on that we have no idea if we don't have a budget where our money goes but if you take the time to actually write a budget out and realize how much money you're actually spending on things that you don't need to be spending it on. You could have a thousand bucks saved up in a matter of a couple of months. It really doesn't take very long.
0: Well, right. And a lot of people that I've talked to when I taught the class is they think once they have that thousand dollars in the bank, that that's it.
1: Right. Right. But all oh, the hard parts over. I got <laughs> my first baby step. Done. <laughs> right.
0: right. But I think, I think it's baby step number three. Is to have a fully funded emergency fund.
1: Right. Of three to six months of expenses is the right. fully funded emergency fund, which comes after the debt snowball, which is baby step two. Right. And people get freaked out, especially people who have maybe an over exorbitant amount of debt, right? They think I'm never going to be able to pay this off. But once that debt snowball actually takes hold and it starts snowballing on top of one another, you pay one off and then you take all that money and throw it to the next one. And you do that time and time again, it takes no time at all to knock out these debts. And what that also does every time you pay off a debt is it builds momentum to get the next one paid off. And then you make a chart and then you can track your debt goals, right? You can pay off your debt in X amount of time and you can mark it on a calendar or however you want to track it. But each one of those things is what motivates you to keep going, to keep sacrificing, to keep pushing towards that goal at the end. Right. You
0: know, we've used a term called debt snowball. And for those of you who don't know what that is, you take your, your smallest debt. Let's say you've got two credit cards, two cars, and maybe a loan of some kind of student loan. Uh, You take your smallest debt, whatever you have, we have the smallest balance on, let's say you've got a credit card and you've got a $500 balance on it. And that credit card's got a payment that you make of somewhere around $50 a month. So the idea is you pay off the smallest debt as quick as you can. And once you pay that first debt off, whatever money you were setting aside for that payment, you take that and add it to the payment that you're making on the second smallest debt.
1: That's correct. Yes. That's how the snowball actually gains momentum because you're using the money you were paying to one, you're no longer paying that debt because it's paid off. Right. And then you take all that money you were paying to that one and you attack the next one. And Ramsey teaches that it's not an interest rate battle, Right. right? right? Because at the end of the goal, the interest rate almost doesn't matter. It's negligible amount of money Right. when you get to the end of your debt snowball as far as interest rates go that's you you start with the smallest and by starting with the smallest again that builds momentum because you can pay that one off faster because it's a smaller balance right and work towards those larger goals so paying
0: off the house that's baby step 6, six right six. so a lot of people when they think about paying off their debt they start thinking about their house and then suddenly the debt becomes too much for them to to think about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dave Ramsey doesn't even suggest you worry about even thinking about paying off the house until all this other stuff is paid off.
1: Yeah. There's five other steps that come before the house for a reason. That's right. That's right.
0: Right. So the first step was to save a thousand dollars for your emergency fund. The second step is to start the the debt snowball, pay off your debt, your non non home debt, non mortgage debt. And then the third is to fully fund your emergency fund Yes, to three, three to, to six, six months, months of your, expenses. Right, your expenses. Correct.
1: And then the fourth for <laughs> so saving for, for retirement. retirement. Yes. The saving of uh, 15% into retirement. Right.
0: So let's talk about that for a minute. I don't know how many of you out there are started saving for retirement, but I will tell you that the worst time to worry about saving for retirement is three to five years before you retire. which happens a lot with people and the financial peace model is to save 15% of your gross income for retirement. So if you make $50,000 a year, 15 would be $7,500. So $7,500 a year, you put away into some type of mutual fund or 401k or IRA and many of you already have a job where you have some type of retirement at that job. And it's as easy as simply having them take it out of your check and start saving. Now, I will tell you this. One thing that Ramsey's really, really uh, he stresses a lot. If you have $40,000 worth of unsecured or non-mortgage debt, before you start saving that 15%, he wants you to pay off your debt. Right. Because even though saving for retirement and putting that money away compounds over time, the money that you'll lose not contributing to your retirement account while you're paying off your thirty thousand dollars worth of debt is nothing in comparison to how that debt will literally rape the bottom of your retirement when you do retire if you still have that debt around.
1: Yes, and you know, Bible tells us that the borrower is slave to the lender. So anytime you owe people money, it's going to hold you back. Right? Maybe it's going to hold you into a job that you don't really like, or it's going to hold you from going out and doing ministry work that you always wanted to do, but you have this debt that's just crippling you and you can't do anything about it. You can always make up your retirement when you're debt-free. You can max out your investments when you're debt-free, but the goal is to get debt-free. And being debt-free, it just enlightens your spirit and it allows you to be more and more generous with what you do have. You're able to give your time, your money. You can go into work one day into a job that you hate and say, I quit. I'm not doing this anymore because you're not burdened by debt. There's so much behind being debt-free. It's not just finances and numbers and dollar signs. There's more to it than that.
0: Right. It really is freedom. Yes, it is. There was somebody I was talking at work the other day who absolutely hates their job. And so I suggested to them that they, you know, start looking for another one. And we started doing some career coaching with them and there was an actual position that they were qualified to apply for, but it paid a dollar 50 an hour less than the job they were currently working, but it was their dream job. And so I looked at them and I said, Hey, you know, you should consider applying for this. And they, they looked at me and they said, Tom, I can't do that. I'm like, why not? well, that's $1.50 an hour. And when you, it's like almost $60 a week. And you know, you multiply that out. He said, I, I can't afford to work for $1.50 less an hour. And the reason why is because they had two car payments and two credit cards and a student loan. And when we can't make a decision that is good for our our psyche, good for our marriage, good for just our overall lifestyle over $1.50 an hour. That's a form of slavery. That's it is exactly absolutely a form about.
1: of slavery. And just think how much happier that guy might be if he could take that $1. fifty an hour less, but doing a job that he absolutely enjoys doing. Right. Versus totally it, it, it changes your, your internal thought about life itself. Your home life is better because you come home from work in a better mood. You're not bringing baggage from work home. You get to bring fun stories of an amazing day that you had, and you can't experience that because of... $1. fifty an hour. And that's, that's soul crushing to some people. Right.
0: And it is the story of a lot of people that we talk to.
1: It, I think it's the story of most people. Yeah. Most people I don't think get to do the jobs that they want to do or feel like God has called them to do, whether it's because of circumstances outside of their control or poor money decisions, which we've all made. It's just a matter of getting a hold of those poor choices and, and right in the ship.
0: That's exactly right.
1: So baby step five, is, five is kids, kids, college. Fund. That's right.
0: And this is interesting too. So if any of you have kids that you're raising, obviously we want them to go to college, right? We want them to be able to go get education and do what they need to do to be where they need to be. And part of our responsibility as parents is to be able to help them get there. Uh, one of the worst things that can happen to a kid when they decide to go to college is for them to have to go borrow $50,000 to go get their degree. Now that's what I had to do. My parents were broke when I was, when I was ready to go to college. And so this idea, I had to borrow money to go to school and it took me 20 years to pay that loan off. And then when I went back to get my master's degree, I added another 15 years on top of that, uh, to pay that loan off. And I was, I think my first student loan was only $25,000. My second student loan was $18,000. But if you're going to be a lawyer or you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be a physical therapist or anything like that, you're going to have a student loan anywhere from 75. We're talking
1: hundreds hundreds of thousands of thousands of of dollars of student loans. As a matter of fact, on Dave Ramsey's team at Ramsey Solutions, they did last year, they put out a documentary about the student loan debt crisis and how it's going to absolutely cripple this up and coming generation there's trillions of dollars worth of student loan debts out there that these kids are likely not going to be able to pay back and it's going to completely ruin them financially for the rest of their lives because they have eighty, hundred, two hundred thousand 200,000 dollars worth of student loan debts wow. there's one story inside of that where somebody had a million dollars worth of student loan debts and it just makes you wonder uh when you didn't think to stop. I mean, right. that's an incredible amount of money just in student loan debts. I mean, it's hard enough to make that much money right. in a lifetime that's right. and this guy's got it in student loan debts and it's crippling.
0: That's incredible. It really is. One of the things we have to do, which oftentimes I think a lot of people don't is we really have to do the math, right? We've got to look and say, how much am I going to make a year at this particular job before I actually go out and borrow X number of dollars
1: well, that's part of our that role. Job. That's part of our role as parents, right? Right. We're here to lead our kids, to coach our kids and say, okay, look, I, I look at baby step five, maybe a little differently than some people. I don't believe I owe my kid a college education. I agree. I, I feel the if, same I, way. if I'm able to, I want them to have a college degree to be able to expand their knowledge, go get a good paying job, whatever. But it's not something I owe my children. Right. Right. However, I do owe my children a little bit of knowledge when they're going out into the world. Go to a school that you can afford. Right. Okay. That should be the biggest thing. Don't apply to some Ivy League school just because your best friend got in over there and they're going to pay 80 grand a year in tuition. Go to a school you can afford for one. For two, like you had said, Tom— Take a class in a field that actually has some bit of, of a job market out in the exactly. real world. That's uh, right. These Some people take degrees for stuff that just there's no market for them. And they wonder why they have $60,000 in student loan debts and they're working at a gas station. Right, And it's horrible because they had this whole dream set up because some guidance counselor probably told them, hey, go get this degree and you can work in this field. When half of a fraction of a percent of people who actually have that degree probably get to use it. And that's part of the whole college, the whole chaos that comes around college when it comes to this, this younger generation as they're getting older.
0: Yeah. And it is interesting. And I'm glad that you shared that about this idea of do I owe my kids a college fund? Right. And it's not so much about that, but it's about when we're demonstrating fiscal responsibility and modeling that for our children, then we can pass that on to them. So they can start doing that when when they begin we actually did that for for my boys you know and and the one thing that's interesting when you start doing it when they're born you have 18 years that you can literally put a hundred dollars a month away into you know a, a college savings plan or a stock account or something and 18 years is a long time for interest to compound absolutely for a kid right? You know, a lot of times, some of the adults I know that have finally started investing in their retirement don't have 18 years. And so they're trying to play catch up and they're putting five, $6,000 a year trying to play catch up. And, you know, five to 10 years is not enough time to compound interest where you, where when you retire, you have $2 million in your your IRA, but it's, you know, it's an affordable way to build an investment for them. But what's really important for those of you who are listening is to remember right? That baby step is number five.
1: Yes. Okay. These are, these are in order for a purpose. There's a reason that they are in the order that they are in.
0: That baby step is not before you pay off your debt. You have to create a college fund for your kid.
1: And that's where a lot of us get into trouble, especially as young, as young parents, like a lot of us are, right? Right. We have these kids and we think, oh, we have to, we have to start saving for their future, even if it's costing us now. So you can start putting a hundred bucks a month, like you said, into an account for them, but you're, missing, I don't know, an electric bill that month because you decided to invest in your kid's college. And that is a problem.
0: And so there's a reason why when you're on the airplane and the oxygen masks come down that they say to put your oxygen mask on first before you put it on your kid. And it's like, well, wait a minute. My kid needs to breathe. Yes, but your kid can't breathe if you can't breathe. That's right. (laughs) And then, of course, maybe step six is to pay off the house. Yes. Right. So after all those other things are covered, then we pay off the house. And some people will say, well, gosh, you know, the house is like one of your biggest debts and one of your biggest expenses. And some people that, you know, buy houses want to pay it off as fast as they can. Well, the thing to remember about the house is the house is actually an appreciating asset that is worth more than you paid for it. And especially right now in the world we live in now, there's a whole bunch of stuff that Dave talks about when you do get a mortgage, right? Is that you should get a 15 year mortgage and not a 30 year mortgage, which is another training for another day. But we save that till baby step six. And then of course, after baby step six and your house is paid off. Then the last one is to give like never before,
1: right? Outrageous generosity, Baby step seven,
0: right. Where you're in a position where you can give lots of money away. You can invest in other, you know, mission opportunities. You can do lots of things. Now I do want to clarify for all of you listening that baby step seven doesn't say tithe No, Okay. (laughs) Baby step seven is where we're suddenly in a different position where you know, you can do anything. And a lot of people, when they hear this, they think, oh gosh, you know, maybe when I retire one day, I'll be in that place or, you know, I'll never be there. You know, there's too many things. I don't make enough money. I know people that make thirty-five, forty thousand dollars 40000 a year with no debt and their net worth is bigger than people that make $150,000 a year Sure, because they don't have debt. My youngest son actually has taken a lot of this to heart. And so we had started saving money and what we were able to do when my boys turned the age where they were able to drive is we were able to buy their first car out of that account. And the car that we bought for them was not a brand new car.
1: Right. Or should it be?
0: No, it was a three or $4,000 car. And one of the rules was in order for them to drive, they had to pay their own insurance, which means they had to have a job.
1: Yeah. They have to have stake in the game if they want to play.
0: And so they were able to start with a car that was paid for that they were paying the insurance on with no debt. And one of the things that I taught my children was, is that when you're ready to get the next car, start making yourself a car payment, you know, make a car payment to your own savings account for a year and then sell the car that you have with no debt on it and take the money that you saved for a year and then buy a car within that price range. And, and if you do that every year by year four, you'll have a pretty nice car. Yes. You sit, you know, you figure a kid at 16 years old, four years, they're 20 and at 20 years old, they have a twenty-five, thirty $30,000 car that they have no debt against that they bought. And then they've learned to, to apply these principles. My 22 year old son has got a fairly sizable savings account and he's living in a house with three other guys. And he can afford to do whatever he wants, and he doesn't have – he doesn't worry about paying his bills. He pays his bills. You know, everything's fine, and he's saving. He's, he's putting 15% in his IRA
1: at work. Think about that, though. As, as young kids, they're oh putting in gosh. that money, What they're how they're going to be when they get to retirement age. They're multimillionaires. Just- right. Just from that money alone into a into an IRA. Right. It's incredible. And you had mentioned, you know, we were talking about the mortgage, right? And you you had talked about saving up and paying off cars and paying yourself car payments. Think about if you did that for your first house. Let's say you're a young married couple and you go buy your first house and instead of buying the four hundred thousand dollar house that your parents took twenty years to buy, right. You bought a hundred thousand dollar house that was perfect for you and your new wife your new husband and you work your tails off for seven years and you paid that house off and then you have all that equity in that house is all going to your pocket when you sell that house and guess what when you do sell that house it's going to be worth more relatively more than what you paid for it right and that money is going to go towards another house and you could apply those same principles to owning a house A lot of people in the world will tell you, you're always going to have a car payment and you're always going to have a mortgage. And I say, you don't need either one of those two things. They're not necessarily a must have in today's society. You can live without a car payment. You just have to be willing not to drive a brand new car. And if you're going to have a brand new car, you need to have some money to pay for it. That's right. And same with the mortgage too. It's possible in today's world to pay off your mortgage. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes hard work. It takes intentionality and focus, but you can absolutely do it.
0: Every time I show the debt snowball to somebody, they get real excited. But then when I tell them that the average debt snowball takes two to three years to pay everything off, then I get this reaction where everybody kind of goes, oh, Right? right. They get the deflated reaction. And they say, well, the idea is we want to pay stuff off as quick as we like buy it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with it is, is that it takes a long time to dig yourself out of a hole. You know, when you consider three years, I always tell folks, if you follow the debt snowball, you can literally pay off all of your debts in about three years based on the payments and the way the payments compound when you pay the first one, the second one, the third one off. And when somebody looks at me and says, yeah, but that's three years, Tom. I say, well, yeah, well, how, what, what's the term on your car? Most people have a five to six year term on their car, right? If you start the debt snowball today, there's a 90% chance that you will have all of your debt paid off before you'll have your car paid off. If you just keep doing the same thing you're doing now, the number one wealth creating engine that you can have, you have an income Mm -hmm. and if you have an income, you can be debt free, but it just requires making a plan to start.
1: Our, our debt problems is not normally a money problem. It's a behavior problem. Exactly. We get into debt because we are not in control of our money and we allow ourselves to go buy things that we can't afford. And this goes in my own personal experience. I, I've mentioned that it, well, my wife and I were married 15 years before we found a financial peace. So for 15 years, we were making these dumb decisions with money. And yes, it took us almost two years to clean up the mess, but two years to clean up a mess that took 15 to make right. is, right. Uh, it's a trade-off that's worth having. It's two years of struggle. It's two years of sacrificing, not really eating out. Kids are not getting vacations. You know, it's it's two years of that kind of behavior. But once you change that mindset in your head, it goes into the whole um, neurological pathways, right? We change those ways of thinking in our head, and we're able to never ever get in that situation again because we know how bad it sucks trying to get out of it. It's not fun, but it's not supposed to be fun because it's supposed to teach us a lesson about how we need to handle our money better because that money is not ours. We're stewards of that money. God gives us and entrusts us with that money. And we need to be right with that money. We need to spend it wisely.
0: That's right. One of the things that we know as believers is that, just like you said, Jake, is that God has entrusted us with this money. Yes, we go and earn it. We go out and make it. We work our jobs. But as believers, God asks us to have the right perspective and relationship with that money and to, and to honor where that money comes from. And when we tithe 10% of that money back to him, regardless of what church it is, uh, and it should be your local church, regardless of how that money gets used, it's not about that. It's about understanding that God can do a whole lot more with 90% of our money when we are entrusting God with what he asked for, which is just the 10. That's really the first step in the way that we as believers manage and handle our money. And then of course, once we have that $1000 emergency fund, and a lot of people say, "Why $1000? Can't can't I just have a couple hundred dollars I can't buy the
1: anything these days?" Right. <laughs> but you know,
0: $1000 will put tires on your car. Right.
1: right? It's to, it's to just give you a little bit of a buffer from So you a don't have to big use credit. Emergency, card. Right. So you don't have to dig for that credit card. Right. Because inside of Financial Peace, one of the lessons is hacking up the credit cards, grabbing a big old pair of scissors, and Dave Ramsey calls it a plastectomy where you go in and you just go to town on these credit cards and you cut them up. And it's funny because in all the classes, that's there's at least one person, and it's usually more that that is their biggest hurdle that they have to get over out of the whole class. And that's cutting up the credit cards because they're, they become a a safety blanket, right? Right. There's someone safeguard from that emergency. But when you have money in the bank account, you don't need to have a credit card. And going back to what you were talking about with tithing, I believe that we should tithe from beginning to end throughout this whole process. And you, you might be thinking it's hard enough to, to get together what I need to, to pay my monthly bills or even start the debt snowball. But I'm a firm believer in in honoring God with that money and trusting that he will take our problems and he will make them better by simply being obedient to him and just trusting that he has our best interests at heart and he is not going to let us fall.
0: That's exactly right. So this might feel a little weird in the ministry mindset discussion we're having to suddenly be talking about wealth and creating wealth and talking about money. But one of the things that oftentimes gets in the way when we're trying to figure out the best way for us to serve God, when we identify our personality, we go through a kazone, we find out what our strengths are. and We kind of sit down and start thinking about what is, what is a cool thing that I could be doing to be serving God it doesn't take very long before your financial situation gets kind of intertwined in your next
1: steps. Absolutely. It does.
0: Right? Because if if you're working a job and you can barely pay the bills, but you really feel like God wants you to support a missionary or God wants you to buy a small little rental place and, and shelter some women in there, or God wants you to go out and do something for the homeless. And, and you have no financial margin in your life that can become a barrier, right? Time, money, lots of other things that kind of get in the way. And that's why the spiritual wellness wheel is what's so key. We talk about in the book ministry mindset, and if you don't have a copy of that, we highly recommend that you get one in order for us to be able to fully serve and to fully be capable and able to be able to live out our purpose. We have to make sure that that wheel, that spiritual wellness wheel is round and not out of balance
1: and it's easy to get out of balance too. If you're really not being intentional on each and every spoke that's inside that wheel. That's right.
0: And we're going to talk about each one of those. We're going to, we're going to have, you know, have a guest on the podcast to talk about the physical portion. We're going to, Tony's going to talk in a few weeks about the mental and emotional portion. And then we're going to talk about the relational side of that wheel. But this financial piece is oftentimes, and the reason why we're talking about it now this is something that every single one of you listening to this podcast can actually do something about today. Tony, I haven't let you chime in, but you know, you've, you've experienced this too, right? Ramsey had those
2: five baby steps that I took and it really changed my life. And I can honestly say that today I am living, not debt free because I'm still in the process of paying off some debt, but I fully am convinced that these steps will bring you into financial prosperity.
1: These steps, for lack of a better phrase, gave you a plan to be able to get out of debt. Yeah, sure did,
2: yeah. And and being a bachelor and kind of being carefree, uh, I don't really have a lot of debt, but <clears throat> it gives me the opportunity to be more responsible. Because right. really, let's be honest with each other, it's God's money.
1: It is. He's I, I'm not the bachelor, but I am. I am a free spirit when it comes to spending, and I can get myself <laughs> in a whole lot of trouble if I'm not. A, if I'm not keeping track of that kind of stuff.
0: Amen. I think we all are. Right. Yeah. And that's important for the listeners to understand. The three of us sitting here, we have had our share of debt. We've all let done me tell you.
1: stupid things with money. I've Every had, single one of us. Yeah,
0: I've had two car payments for almost 18 years, anywhere from 700 to 900 bucks a month. And I was one of those ones that believed I was always going to have a car payment. Mm-hmm. And then before, when I paid off my first car and then I decided to pay off the second car after I got the first car paid off. And then when I had no car payments... It's amazing how you how much you value your used car when you don't have car payments. Yeah, it anymore. becomes the
1: most amazing car in the world. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. When you have to go fix something for three or $400 or even a thousand dollars, you don't care because when you don't have payments, that's like two months worth of payments. Yeah, to it's go cheaper fi- than a car payment to go fix it. Right. And suddenly when you have, when you have money in the bank and you decide you want to go to dinner or you want to, somebody comes and says, Hey, I have a piece of land for sale. And it's you know, do you, I mean, you have options. One of the things I hear so many people tell me is they said, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. And we want everybody to stop wishing. We want you all to be free to be able to say, I feel like this is something I want to do. And I want to be able to have the margin to do it. And not, we're not just talking about, well, name it, claim it. No, this is, what is your purpose? Finding your purpose and then being able to be in a position where you can act on it. And not being a slave to debt, not being a slave to your job, not being a slave to living by that paycheck. And we're not talking about how you can become rich, right? Because the Bible defines rich as very differently than yeah. the world defines rich. But to know when you can go, when you can lay your head down at night and you're not worrying about how you're going to pay the electric bill, how you're going to pay the gas bill or how you're going to get groceries. I mean, when you have no credit card bills, no car payments, You don't have to worry about inflation.
1: Well, if you notice too, in all of these baby steps, you don't see the word rich in any of those descriptions. That's right. Any of those baby steps. That's right. You see the very last one that says be outrageously generous. That's right. It doesn't say how much money you have to have to do that. It just gets you to a point where you're comfortable in life and you can be outrageously generous with what you have.
0: That's right. And do crazy things like give cars away and (laughs) help, you know, help people get their businesses and their ministries off or put a kid through school. It is crazy what people do. Our
1: local church has a story of a car that was passed between two or three different people. It was one car that was given to somebody and they used it for a little while and it was given to them. So they decided to pass that on and give it to somebody else. And it went through three people, I think. Right, and it was and, a real blessing. Yeah, right? it was absolute. So It's a huge blessing. Huge, blessings huge that, blessing. That that's the kind of outrageous stuff that you can do right. when you're not shackled with debt.
0: Right, and, and it really is. It really is a shackle, and that's why we talk about it. That's why we've made it one of our cornerstone trainings for anybody who is going to go through this process and, and to work on the canvas and to figure out how to put their purpose into action is they, they need to take responsibility of all the areas of their lives, right. And really take responsibility for your finances. Uh, you know, we don't have to be a victim of our financial situation.
1: No, we just have to recognize it, take ownership of our mistakes and turn it around. That's exactly
0: yeah. right. That's True. exactly right. Well, gosh, uh, wow! What a what a great discussion, Jake. I'm so so yeah. thankful that you're here. Jake is a certified Ramsey coach, um, and he also works in the transportation industry, which we talked about. So, Jake is a normal guy. You know, has taken the time to find his purpose.
1: Yes, in- that's Christ. that's my my. When I did Kazone, it it sort of evolved into this specifics of marriages and finances and how getting a handle on our finances actually enhances our marriages and it makes them so much better. And, and so that's how my Cazone kind of plays into all this financial peace stuff. So I'm able to live out my Kazone, not as a job. My regular paid job is something completely different, but I get to do this on the side and it's, it's a true blessing.
0: That's awesome. And that's what the ministry mindset's all about. Amen. Right. Well, is there anything else that you, either one of you would like to add
1: before we wrap up today? I'm hoping Tony has something.
0: Oh, uh, well, God, I was taking notes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's real important to remember that these are guidelines. Sometimes God will test you and say, hey, I want you to do this for somebody. And you'll find that when you're obedient to him, then those steps that you're looking actually become even easier.
1: Right. Yeah. I will say that Ramsey steps should never trump the prompting from God. That's right. <laughs> Amen.
2: That's right. I think the Holy Spirit has first <laughs> tips on that one. So the, I'm just saying that because I've seen that in my my progress where becoming debt-free is I'm learning to know, to hear from the Spirit of God when he says, Hey, I want you to do this. You, you don't sit there, but Lord, you yeah. know, I haven't gotten to step for
0: yet. I can barely <laughs> yeah. pay the electric bill this month. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different story. Thank goodness it all comes from God. Amen. Yeah, yeah. We're so grateful for that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again and we'll be here. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you haven't gotten a copy of The Mystery Mindset yet, it is available on Amazon. Go get you a copy of that. That's kind of the kickoff place for the Ministry Mindset Program. Our contact information is located within the podcast. And until next time, we will talk to you all soon. See you later. Good night.